All right, today I want to share with us um, about being carriers of God's presence. Carriers of God's presence. Let us go to Psalms 139 and verse 7. We'll start from there. There may be a lot of, there may be, uh, a lot of reading of scriptures, so uh, I, I hope you came with uh, your, your, your extra ability to, to read scripture. We will read uh, Psalms 139 from verse 7 to, to 12. From verse 7 to 12. Yeah. Psalms 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as day, the darkness as light are both alike to you. Glory to God. Isn't that really powerful? You know, so I, I like David because he was addicted to God's presence. And when he thought about his life, he thought, where really can I go from the presence of God? And he stated out the worst case scenarios. And he stated out the farthest places. He even brought in hell. And he said, even there, you are there. And can you imagine that God's presence is in hell as well? To make sure that justice is rendered. Yeah. Yeah. So God is everywhere. Uh, that's, that was, that's why we have that word. One of the characters of God is his ability to be present everywhere at the same time. That's what makes him God. One of the characters that's called omnipresence or omnipresence. That is the act or the ability of uh, successfully being everywhere at the same time. So God is everywhere at the same time. That is the good news. The news is God is not manifest everywhere at the same time. Glory to God. God is everywhere at the same time, but he's not manifest everywhere at the same time. And so imagine David said he cannot flee from, his, from the presence of God, which means to a believer, there is nothing that can compare with the presence of God. When we talk about the presence of God, we're, we're, we're talking not just about uh, a misty something. We're talking about, he said, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? So there is a connection between the spirit and the presence. As a matter of fact, the spirit of God is the presence of God, you know, and the presence of God is um, the, uh, the, the availability of God in a place, you know, the God being present in a particular place at a particular time with a particular person or people. The actual uh, 
presence of his person in a place or having his trademark and his quality, his effectiveness working in a place. You know, certain times when we see certain qualities of some people and the mark of those people in, in places, we say their presence is here or we feel their presence here because there is something that's still carrying on that was there when they were actually in that place. But you see, the signs of God's presence are available in certain places or upon certain people, you know, uh, when God comes to a place. And his presence is there, you know. So God is not manifest everywhere. And what God wants is to be manifest everywhere with his people. You see, in the Old Testament, uh, God was in particular places. He was either in the, in the tent of meeting or in the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, he was only upon the, the mercy seat, upon the, um, uh, the Ark of Covenant. You know, God dwelt in the Ark of Covenant on the mercy seat. That's where God was. And that's why uh, uh, this, the, the, the Ark of Covenant was supposed to be carried by very particular people, by the priests. And where, wherever the presence of or the Ark of Covenant went, that is where the presence of God went. When the Philistines once took the Ark of Covenant, not knowing that, that was the presence of God. And they took it into the house of their God, Dagon. The next day they found Dagon had bowed before the Ark of Covenant. And then they tried to put Dagon back. And the next day Dagon was crushed into pieces, you know, completely destroyed. Um, the, even then when they crossed the, the, the river, God gave uh, the river Jordan, God gave them instructions and said, the, the, they say, the, the scripture says, and the banks of the river was flooded. And now anyone who knows when there's a flood on a river or on a lake, you are advised not to cross. But then when they inquired of the Lord, what do we do? He said, let the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant go first. And so when they carried the Ark of the Covenant, and they began to step into the water. What happened is that the water began to separate. And then they walked through. And the rest of the children of Israel followed them. Which means in a given situation, let the presence of God go before you. And then the supernatural will, uh, will happen. The impossible will become possible. Because that is exactly what God specializes in. God specializes in making difficult things simple. He specializes in making the impossible uh, to become possible. For with God all things are possible. God can do anything, anytime, anywhere. God never fails. As long as his presence is there, God will work a work that even if you are told, you will not believe. Glory to Jesus. So God wants to be manifest everywhere. He doesn't want to be stuck in one place like he was in the, uh, in the Old Testament. And you see, God was always only in one place. So the manifestation of God's glory only, only manifested in the temple. 
And for, for an example is when Solomon was dedicating the temple and the Bible says, and the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God, the glory of God came upon that temple so strongly that the priests and the ministers could not get into the temple because the glory of God had covered the place. And God wants the, his glory and his presence to fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. That is exactly what God's plan is. And so God no longer enjoys staying in the tent of meeting or in the tabernacle uh, in a specific place where only the high priest would go once in a year to atone for the sins of the people. No, God wants every one of his children to understand that they're all priests. And then now we have one high priest who is Christ Jesus and the rest of us are priests to offer sacrifices unto the Lord. And the sacrifice is actually our own bodies. Bible says offer unto uh, God, you know, your, it says a living sacrifice, which is your own body. So you are the priest and you offer yourself unto the Lord. You appear in his presence so that he can do what he wants to do in your life. Glory to God. God's people must desire to carry his presence. Why? Because the Bible says that uh, we are now, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Second uh, Corinthians chapter six and verse 16, it says, for you are the temple of the temple of the living God. And if you are the temple of the living God, remember now the temple ceased to be a house somewhere in Jerusalem. The temple became a human being who is now a, um, a mobile temple. You are a mobile place of worship. That means wherever you are, you are ordained to carry the presence of God on your life so that wherever you are, that is exactly where God is. And that was the reason why God sent Jesus Christ to break the middle line of hostility. He became the mediator between God and man, breaking the middle ground so that now God could come to man and man could come to God. So Jesus on the cross took away the crossroad, you know, took away the bridge between God and man that only one man was qualified to go into the presence of God once in a year. He wanted his children to come to him anytime, every time, and as a matter of fact, live in his very presence. Glory to Jesus. And that's still God's desire for the entire world today. And so in Jesus dying on the day that Jesus died on the cross, uh, the Bible says that the veil in the temple was ripped into two pieces. Now that veil was made in such a way and it was made of leather, a particular kind of leather. And it was, it was quite hard. And but but by the grace of God, it was torn into two pieces when Jesus gave up the ghost and it was a significant moment. It was a dark moment, but it was a significant moment because it was the moment where light was born. It was the moment where the tearing of the veil was not just to signify that now we were able to go into the Holy of Holies, but that God could come out of the Holy of Holies. Amen. So God, God had to have that ripped away so he's no longer in one place. And Jesus guaranteed us by his death, his 
and his resurrection, he guaranteed us that now we were able to be born again, which means the old nature was taken out. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away. All things have become new. And therefore, because all things have become new, you have a heart that has been, that has been renewed. Your heart has not just been transformed. It is your mind that gets transformed. But you are given a new heart the day you received Jesus Christ. And upon receiving a new heart, God counted it that you no longer are a sinner. Why? Because Jesus was punished for your sins. Jesus paid the full penalty for your sin. And because he paid the full penalty, the wrath of God was poured out upon a sinless man that a sinful man may take on the place of righteousness and the, the man who was righteous took on the place of sinfulness so that you can no longer be condemned of the devil. You, can ha you have the ability to come boldly before the throne of grace that you may obtain grace and find mercy to help in a time of need. In other words, the way to the presence of God has been opened by the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ and God now guarantees you protection and safety and there is no hostility because the blood of Jesus Christ is still stronger than any other blood, the blood of bulls and goats and it is eternal which means it will never be weakened, which means it does not evaporate, which means it does not lose its power. It still has the same strength and the same power and God recognizes that the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ was the establishment of a covenant between people who did not know God and, 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 uh, and God himself through Christ Jesus. Now a sinful man can come into the presence of God not worried that God will him all he needs to do is to receive Jesus Christ and make him their Lord and their Savior and at the at the point of doing that even before they do anything else God says now you are my child because the Bible says as many as received him to them gave he the right or the power to become the sons of God so who are born not of blood not of water not of the will of man but born of God and the Bible does say whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Glory to God. Our faith in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So by that we now we are opened to the heavenlies and God then sent the precious Holy Spirit, his spirit into us so that the spirit could now rechange, rework, recalibrate our minds so that we are transformed. We begin to think like God. We begin to talk like God. We begin to act like God. And now we know that his presence is with us because we have the Holy Spirit with us who continually tells us that we are children of God and that's why we have Jesus being called Emmanuel which simply being translated means God with us and therefore from the day you gave your life to Jesus God God's uttermost desire is not just to indwell you because he does it is also to manifest his presence to you so that wherever you go you go carrying a presence Carrying the very presence of the Almighty God, His very, um, His very life dwelling on the inside of you, and that is something 
that is really, really, really powerful to have an understanding that God wants to dwell in you and he does dwell in you and that you are aware of his presence upon your life. And there is nothing as awesome or as wonderful as that to have God himself dwelling on the inside of you. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the living God? Can you imagine that your body is the temple of the living God and you are made complete in him? Your body is the temple of the living God. Glory to Jesus. And therefore he said, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. You are. He didn't say you will become. He said you are right now the temple of the living God. With all your struggles, with all your issues, you are the temple of the living God. And when you begin to believe that, then something will begin to happen. Because God dwells in his temple. In other words, you are the house, the indwelling place of God himself. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God. They will be my people. God wants a people and he wants to be present with them. Church is an awful place without the presence of God. The Christian life is a dangerous thing without the presence of God. Every believer needs to be conscious of the presence of God. Every believer needs to know that they can manifest the presence of God wherever they are. In other words, God wants to show up wherever you are. He just, not want, he just doesn't want to show up. He wants to show off. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. There has to be a difference between the child of a king and a peasant. There has to be a difference between an orphan and the child of a king. And that's why when God finds them orphans, he makes them sons. He makes them royals. That's why he says you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen generation, you know, called out. That's who you are. Glory to God. That's who you are. So, through Jesus, the case was solved. The barrier was broken and the limits were removed. God paid, Jesus paid the whole price of our punishment on him. Totally, you know, completely. John chapter 14, verse 6 to 17. Can we read it? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me religion does not take anyone to the father you know systems don't take anyone to the father he said i am the way to the father no one can come to the father except through me jesus said if you had known me you would have known my father also and from now on you know him and have seen him because jesus expects that you will dwell in his presence he expects that you will have his presence everywhere around you. And if you had known me, you'd have known him as well. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the father. It is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And yet have you not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. 
So how can you say, show us the Father? This is why the moment you receive Jesus and you get born again, give your life to the Lord Jesus, you, he says you have seen the Father. Which means his presence is with you. Glory to God. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the, but the Father who dwells in me and does the work. Now, Jesus also carried the presence. He carried the presence of the Holy Spirit. He carried the presence of the Father. And he said it is the Father who dwells in him and does the work. Remember, when Jesus did ministry, Jesus did not do ministry as the Son of God. Jesus did ministry as the Son of Man. Jesus did not do ministry as God. Jesus did ministry as man. And therefore, even he had to trust the presence of God to help him do the work that he was sent to do that's why he said he that has seen me has seen the father so that it could be clear to you that because you received Jesus he that sees you has seen Jesus and he that sees you has seen the father in other words God now has divine grace upon you to show the rest of the world that this is where God resides God does not reside in a building God resides in a person and it is not it is not God's plan for you to be the temple of God and his presence is not there never forget that as a believer you have the right and privilege to carry the presence of God you don't have to have been born again for 10 or 20 years to do that you have to believe and realize that God is with me because he said I will never leave you nor forsake you which means everywhere you go everywhere you go the presence of God is with you and the more you start being aware of that presence the more you will begin to see the hand of God manifest through your life and in your life glory to God all right uh, we're we're going on Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. You see, we, we can't discredit what God is doing and say, you know, miracles don't matter. They don't matter if people's hearts, if people have more faith in miracles than the God of miracles. But when our faith is in God, miracles should be a good place. They announce to us that God is with us. They reveal to the world that we are different. And so, we, when, if God is present in the midst of us, then at least he has to show us his presence. And miracles is one of those that God uses as a sign that, hey, I am with them. God doing impossible things. God doing things that the world has said it cannot happen. God healing, God delivering. God causing change, causing things to be that man said is impossible or that cannot happen. I want you to be demonstrators of the impossible. God wants you to be revealers of, of the untold, the unknown and the unseen. He wants you to be messengers of his presence. In other words, your presence showing up, his presence should be there. And it should not be 
in secret kisirisiri ya kwamba Mungu yupo na mimi lakini haionekani no it, it must be seen that God is with you in other words there has to be a mark upon your life that shows that God is with this person or God is with this person when the bible says about Joseph and God is and God was with him you could see the results he was going through some certain issues but you could see the results that everywhere he went there was manifestations of his glory he would go into a house that house would be transformed even in jail the jail was transformed and then later Egypt was transformed because he carried with him a presence when the presence of God is somewhere you see the ark which which signified the presence of God you know was taken into the house of a gentleman called uh, Obed Edom and I'm telling you in three months the Bible says that man's house changed in other words things began to happen until the blessing of God was so much in Obed Edom's house that even the king became envious and the king said no I've got to go and pick that covenant box back and take it to where it belongs because he saw what God could do being present with a man. Do you know what God can do in and through your life when you are aware of his presence in your life? It's that this generation fills themselves with everything else except what is crucial. But 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 we pray that the t- the tides are turning and that the people of God will begin to desire God's presence more than the presence of a man. And the man carries God's presence, but if you can carry the same presence, carry that presence. Do you know that every man that carries the presence of God will be sought out? In whatever capacity they carry that presence they will be sought out. If they're doctors, they will be sought out doctors. If they're lawyers, they will be sought out lawyers. If whatever they do and whatever they are, they will be sought out because the presence of God has a pool, something attractive about that presence. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more valuable in life than carrying the presence of God. It's worth tiring for. I said it's worth tiring for. Amen. So, there's an admonishment. We're going to read that. Let's, let's continue. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Because I go to my father. I, I go to my father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Glory to God. Can we read uh, First Chronicles First Chronicles chapter 16? Glory in his holy name. Remember he said, whatever you ask in my name. Say, now he says, glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those rejoice who seek your face. Let their heart rejoice who seek your face. Your face. Other, another version says, who seek your presence. Let their heart rejoice who seek your presence. That is the work of a believer. That the believer ought to seek the presence of God. Remember something. You have the divine 
nature of God on the inside of you. Second Peter chapter one, verse three and four. Going somewhere. Second Peter chapter one, verse three and four. As his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us unto glory and virtue. Wherefore, by which are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature. When he's talking about that divine nature, he's actually talking about the very nature of God. That nature there is the very nature of God. And you are partakers of that divine nature. So quit looking at yourself as an ordinary man who is going to do ordinary things with ordinary people. You are not an ordinary person. You know, you have the divine nature, the very nature that makes God God. The very nature of God is on the inside of you. And which means that now you and God are one and the same. You say, what did you say? I said, you and God are one and the same. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 17. In other words, as we operate with God, there should never be a difference between where you start and where God stops. Because the two of you have become one. Because he that is joined to the Lord, come on now, is one spirit with him. One spirit with him. He says you are joined to the Lord. And now because you are joined to the Lord, in the realm of the spirit, there is no difference between you and the Holy Spirit because you've become one with the spirit. I didn't write that. It's in the Bible. Okay. Let me argue my case. Furthermore, John chapter 15 verse 5. John chapter 15 verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. Verse number six. For if anyone does abide in me, he is cast out. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch that is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burnt. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it will be done for you. Now, look here. To abide means to reside. It means to be present with. It means to dwell. He said, if you dwell in me and I dwell in you, that's, that's mingled up. That's, because the Bible also says, for as he is, so are we in this world. 